Hello and welcome to Alone Together, a coronavirus podcast. I'm Morvan McIntyre. And I'm Dan McLaughlin. We are the podcast that offers you practical advice on how to get through this lockdown, whether it's homeschooling your kids, looking after your physical or mental health, or as we find out on this episode, how to keep up with your hygiene and get through isolation. Alone Together also tells the stories of the amazing people who are doing their bit to keep our local communities going. Coming up on today's episode, we speak to hygiene expert Derek Watson about how to protect yourself by washing your hands properly and thoroughly. Good hygiene will reduce the likelihood of using NHS resources. So we're not just helping ourselves, psychologically we're helping the NHS. And are you struggling with isolation during the lockdown? Well, a solo adventurer shares her tips on staying positive when you've got little or no social contact. There's just so many parallels between stuff that I've already done where I've been really isolated. It's a, it's a lot to go through and you go through dips and you go through highs. Uh, and I'm finding with the lockdown, I'm really experiencing some of the exact same emotions. So I'm really glad that I have this experience and that's why I've been trying to um, share with people what I've already learned. But first, like many of our colleagues in the podcasting world, we are recording this from home. We're certainly taking the social distancing law very seriously. By not only being two metres apart, we are cities, and in one case, countries apart. Alone Together is recorded from the homes of me, Morvin and Matt, in Salford, Edinburgh and Birmingham. Many of us are adapting to working out of office and working from home, whether that's setting up a desk in our living rooms or trying to tidy the house before our meetings on Zoom. We've had to adapt today on Alone Together, with Matt being unable to present today with them drilling a pipe outside his home in Birmingham, the glamour of podcasting from home. Our entertainers have also had to adapt too. On Thursday evening, Comic Relief and Children in Need joined together for the big night in, with many celebrities sending in their contributions from home. Did you catch it, Dan? Well, after Matt, I didn't really catch the entire programme, but I managed to um, catch clips of it online as a Whovian if people go on my Twitter, it's no doubt that I'm a Whovian. Um, I saw the Doctor Who contribution. I saw the Peter K video, the Little Britain sketch, the the Steve Coogan and Rob Brydon sketch. They did a really, really good job considering that they, you know, these are not these are entertainers. They're not necessarily tech guys. So the, the fact they were able to make these sketches, even though they might be a bit handmade and a bit sort of made with shoestring and sellotape, it was quite funny and quite entertaining. How about yourself? I uh, watched it. Yeah, I thought that the Little Britain sketch was very funny. And like you said, it was amazing to see everyone pulling together, especially a lot of the singing. You know, they were all kind of harmonizing, but they were all in different places. So I think that those parts really fit together well. Yeah, after a particular highlight was uh, Matt Lucas's performance of Baked Potato with the orchestra. That was brilliant. <laughs> Just seeing these members of the orchestra with cellos and pianos and uh, even the xylophone performing in their kitchens and their living rooms. It was also nice that they included the 8pm clap for carers as part of their programming. Uh, did you hear the applause again, Morvin? I actually watched um, the big night in on catch up. So I was actually out walking my dog when the clap went on and I joined in clapping just kind of on the pavement um, and I could hear claps all around me. So it was really nice. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I'll be hugely honest with you. I completely forgot about it. I know, awful. I'm an evil hum- human being, but... Um, but I had, uh, thankfully, I had my window open because it was a gorgeous day um, in Salford, a very rare thing. The sun was out. 
And I suddenly heard his uh, applause and clapping and people banging pans, whatever, for all crikey. So I, thankfully I had my window open and I was able to join in. Yeah, spur of the moment, join in. Absolutely. Now, most of you, I hope, wash your hands regularly. But the coronavirus pandemic has caused many of us to pay more attention to our hygiene and cleanliness. Whether it's washing your hands alongside videos of your favourite celebrities or making sure that we scrub for at least 20 seconds, it has changed our attitude towards hand washing. I spoke to Derek Watson earlier, Associate Professor of Cultural Management at the University of Sunderland, about his research into hand washing, and he shares some top tips on looking after your hygiene in the lockdown. So um, now that we've been instructed to wash our hands for 20 seconds at a time and for a total of two minutes a day, are there any psychological tips to get yourself into a good routine of washing your hands? And also, are there any tips for getting out of bad hygiene habits? Key is, listen to the government advice, which is catch it, bin it, kill it. And good hygiene Good hygiene will reduce the likelihood of using NHS resources. So we're not just helping ourselves. Psychologically, we're helping the NHS. And also, each Thursday evening at 8 p.m., people are clapping, supporting the NHS. But it's also subconsciously telling ourselves we are making an individual contribution and with your neighbours, it develops a community spirit. So you're taking away, to a certain extent, the the negative frictions which will prevent you from doing that and they also make you feel good about it and they can also obviously washing your hands help you free from be free from bacteria viruses and illnesses and if you don't have antibacterial soap will normal soap work well as well for hand washing viruses can remain active for hours even days disinfectants gels wipes etc that contain 70 to 80 percent alcohol are useful and are good for on the move but not quite as good as normal soap. And this is why. Viruses is a self-assembled nanoparticle in which the weakest link is the lipid fatty bilayer. And soap works this way. It has two-sided molecules. One is attracted to the water, the other is attracted to fat. So soap dissolves the fat membrane and hopefully the virus will fall, fall apart. Now, alcohol-based products act in a similar fashion, but soap is more effective and in many cases cheaper and longer lasting. However, for your listeners, quite often when they're shopping, they will reach for the antibacterial soap as opposed to normal soap, thinking that's going to make them more safer. Current research says there is no evidence to significantly support that. So save your pennies and buy normal soap, but also make sure that you replenish your hands with suitable cream rather than lotion, as lotions have a high water content. And um, how important is the temperature of the water when hand washing? How hot do you need it to be? Well, firstly, it's important to wash your hands with clean running water because hands um, could become recontaminated if they're placed in uh, standing water. And also to turn off the faucet when wetting the hands, and this also saves water. So the question is, so um, is hot water more effective? The answer is, no. You can use warm or cold water as the temperature of water does not appear to affect the microbe removal process. What we need to do is thoroughly wash our hands and wrist areas 20 to 20 seconds to two minutes, depending on the type of activities that you're doing. Now, we need to be mindful 
and it goes back to my previous comment, when prepping up food, our hands might not look dirty, but obviously, you know, there may be bacteria or viruses. We need to make sure that we regularly wash our hands in, in tepid water or cold water with soap. Um, the hotter the water we use, that can also increase irritation, and it's, I guess it's more environmentally costly as well. I also found from the research that many organizations' heating systems, water heating systems, supply hot water that is way too hot to effectively wash your hands. So quite often, employees couldn't really rinse their hands effectively. And they felt as though that there was a key underlying um, feeling that hot water was better than cold water. And as I've said, there's no case for that. And also when it comes to hand drying, which is also very important. So what is the most hygienic way to dry your hands? Well, it's very crucial, but often overlooked. There's only 20% people effectively dry their hands. Now, really current research indicates that paper towels, disposable paper towels, are the best. But once again, you need to make sure that you thoroughly dry your hands, your palms, between your fingers um, and wrist areas, thoroughly dry. Because if you're leaving the restroom with damp hands, that can actually attract additional viruses or um, leave you susceptible. However, um, roller towels are not as good as paper towels because quite often if you get on the last um, strand, it's used as a communal tower, towel to, to use. Now, we need to look at the maintenance regimes in organizations. So if the maintenance regime is they're regularly checking on the roller towels, then yes, you can use them, but they're not as effective as paper towels. Air dryers, um, current research is saying that suggesting, and it's only suggesting, that they, when you're drying your hands, um, that can dissipate the viruses almost blow them in different directions. But we need to use the air dryers, um, hand dryers, um, very effectively. And once again, this comes down to training. And we need to ask ourselves, how many of our employers have talked us through the correct use of air dryers, paper towels, and roller towels? Um, however, with the process of washing hands, it is quite often undermined when people leave the restroom because they'll wash their hands, and when they leave, they'll use the hand to open the door. Or you'll have certain, our research also identified, people will use their, their little finger or their pinky to open the top of the handle, thinking no one else is going to open that or use that area on the handle. So what I, what I propose is we use the three tissue rule. First of all, we wash our hands, and we rinse them thoroughly. We then use a tissue to dry our hands, and we then bin it, and then we then use another tissue to actually ensure that our hands are further dried more thoroughly, and then we actually use the final tissue to actually open the exiting door, so you're not actually touching the handle within that. And we also need to think about um, door handles at home, how often we touch those, and another fact, we touch our faces on average about 16 times or more in an hour. So we really have to be aware of the importance of washing and very importantly, drying our hands to avoid the spread of the virus or viruses. Yeah, that, that makes sense. You were mentioning earlier as well, though, about hand drying and kind of using three tissues. But if you're in your home, 
most people just kind of have like a hand towel that they have in their bathroom that they'll dry their hands on that they maybe share with family members or whoever else they're living with. So is that a bad habit to have is to use a towel just to dry your hands? Well, from personal experience, yes, I used to use a hand towel and my family used to use that hand towel as well, although we used to wash wash the towels regularly. We have now moved to paper towels um, or tissues and so to kind of catch it and kill it. And really, individuals need to ask the question, yes, I know that certain products are in short supply, but if you, haven't, if you can't access tissues, then yes, use a towel, but it needs to be washed regularly, you know, after use. And, you know, you can't let other members of the family use that. So from an, environment, an environmental issue, it would be more effective if you use tissues and also cheaper for the household as well. And speaking of all this hand washing, do you think that proper hand washing has saved lives during the pandemic? It's estimated hand washing with soap and water could prevent, I guess, up to a million deaths. So they could be avoided potentially. Wow. And also it helps, it also helps reduce respiratory illnesses like flu in the general population. Uh, so it's critical that washing hands effectively needs to be second nature or as intuitive as breathing. My concluding comment is really, yes, hand hygiene is very important. But the underlying, the, the root cause for this solution is for governments around the world need to listen to the health experts. COVID-19 was predicted. But if we backtrack, this isn't a one-off process. So if we, if we walk back in time, so we've got COVID-19 in 2020. 2019, we had swine flu that resulted in over 12,000 deaths. 2003, SARS, over 800 deaths. In 1956, influenza killed 2 million. And 1918, you have the influenza pandemic that killed over 50 million globally. So we need countries around the world to provide funding and global infrastructure. Beyond the coronavirus, do you think there will be a prolonged positive effect if the public get into the habit of good hand-washing practices, so do you think, you know, there'll be less likely to, for people to have common flu and food poisoning? Hopefully, people will continue that good practice, but it needs a constant process of education, awareness, and monitoring, and individuals need to be de- informed about the benefits of this hygiene. And hopefully, yes, it will reduce the likelihood of um, flu um, or the number of people catching flu and other potential viruses. Thank you for your time today, Derek. Thank you. Thank you very much. That was Derek Watson from the University of Sunderland talking to myself earlier about how to protect ourselves through proper hand washing and drying. Did you learn anything new, Dan? Yeah, I mean, I've always tried to, to, to wash my hands properly, but there's some extra tips I didn't know about that. Obviously, hand washing is important, but equally hand drying is important. So some really useful tips. I mean, do you remember when this sort of first, this all started, that we got these things on Facebook and Twitter of um, what you should wash your hands alongside to? So there, there was that clip of Gloria Gaynor doing I Will Survive uh, washing her hands. And there was uh, even Judy Dench doing a bit. A particular one I remember is some maybe lefty socialist friends of mine shared that you should wash your hands to the socialist anthem, The Red Flag. And it just stuck in my head that. So when I was at work washing my hands, I was singing along to The Red Flag, 
you know, the people's flag is people's red. And the, the, <laughs> the problem with the red flag, it's the same tune as All Christmas Tree. So I was watching the dance to All Christmas Tree, and this was in March. And a colleague came out of cubicle, said to me, are you humming All Christmas Tree? It's like, oh, yeah, yeah. I'm a bit more uh, vanilla than that. I normally just do it to happy birthday, I have to confess. <laughs> brilliant. Well, whatever works for you, that was brilliant. Now, our next guest is used to isolation. Jenny Tuff is tough by name and tough by nature. She's also a solo adventurer and endurance challenger who was the first person to run unsupported across the Bolivian Andes and spent 25 days running across Kyrgyzstan on her own. She spoke to more of about ways to endure isolation, offering advice on how to keep fit and stay sane on your own in the lockdown. I'm here on the phone with Jenny Tuff, who is a solo adventurer and traveller and Shan Cycles ambassador. So hi Jenny, how are you? Hey, I'm well, how are you doing? Good, thank you. So for those of us who don't know, tell us a bit about yourself. Uh, so I have what I think is the coolest job in the world, that I'm an adventure traveller. Um, so I do a lot of stuff on bikes and on feet as well, and pretty much any endurance challenge that's going um, I've done a lot of solo adventures, like bikepacking through Nepal recently, um, but I've also competed in a lot of ultra races with lots of other cool athletes. Um, like earlier this year, I was the first woman across the finish line of the Atlas Mountain Race. Uh, and I do really cool stuff like that. And then I come home to Scotland and make my living by writing and speaking and basically sharing stories about adventure and travel. You mentioned there um, one of the impressive expeditions that you've done. Um, I'll just list off some other ones here. So in 2016, you spent 25 days running across the Tian Shang of Kyrgyzstan, the first person to run unsupported across the Bolivian Andes in 2018, uh, the first woman to complete the Silk Road Mountain Race and were the fastest female on the Atlas Mountain Race. So all of those challenges are amazing. So how did you get into expeditions and what motivated you to go down that path? Uh, you know, it doesn't come from a very positive place to start. Um, I started running when I was a teenager and I kind of came from a place of, I just hated the way that my body looked. And I ran, I really thought as a form of punishment that I would go out and do cardio activity. Like I would either be on the spin bike at the gym or I'll go running around my suburb with my golden retriever in Canada. Um, and I, it came from a really negative place, and I and I really didn't like running when I started it. Um, but as I kept sticking with it, um, I really found that sport and endurance sport, um, especially doing it solo and the way that I was doing it, um, it really started to turn into a positive experience. I noticed that days that I went for a run or a bike ride were days that I just generally felt better about everything. I was more creative. I was more focused. I slept better. I was happier. And so I started really pushing myself to see how far I could really go. Uh, and at the same time, travel was always a really big part of my life. And so when I finished school and started to go traveling around the world on my own, um, I just used running and cycling as a way to see new places. It was just a really great way to get around. So combining kind of my two loves of endurance sport and travel. And so that's kind of where it started. And I guess things just escalated from there that I just kept on wanting to see more and push myself harder at the same time. Uh, and that's, yeah, I guess things have just kind of got out of hand by this stage that I'm, you know, pushing myself to what are now my limits. Um, and that's kind of always where I'll be is pushing myself to the limits. And, you know, the further you push that line back of what your limit is, the further you have to go, I guess. 
So being a cyclist and solo adventurer, you must keep, you know, physically fit. So what are your tips for staying fit during lockdown? Because many of us now will be indoors more than normal. We won't be maybe traveling to and from work in the morning on the commute. So how can people still stay active and fit whilst in a lockdown? You know, I think it's quite possible to still do. And the best part is that now you're not, I don't want to use the word, but like wasting time on the stuff that you maybe were before. You know, suddenly most people, I think it's different for parents, but a lot of people have just fallen into having a lot more spare time. And so you can make the most of that. And there's tons that you can do. I mean, here in Scotland, we still have our one exercise per day. So you can make the most of that. And um, I think it's really important that you do, especially with the weather we've had lately, with the sun shining. That's so good for your health to get out in the sun. It's so good for your health, health to push yourself hard. Um, so whatever is the sport that you like to do, if you have access to a bicycle, then I think the bike's the best way to get around. Um, so get out for a ride or get out for a run or walk or whatever suits you. But while we still can, do it outside. Because being outside is so good for you. But, you know, there's still so much that you can do inside your flat, no matter what you've got. Um, YouTube is your best friend right now. There's so many workout videos. Like if you search for no equipment workout or something like that, um, yoga, uh, there's just so much that you can do. So I think we've all got no excuse right now to fall off the fitness routine. Like now is the time that you can absolutely embrace it and do it every day. And obviously with your challenges, you don't just, you know, test your physical fitness. You also have to test your mental fitness. So you know, your challenges must require mental resilience and strength. So what are your tips for staying mentally well during a lockdown when at times we can feel quite isolated? Yeah, I'm finding there's just so many parallels between stuff that I've already done where I've been really isolated, you know, going really long amounts of time in the backcountry completely by myself without the ability to reach out to anyone. Um, it's, a, it's a lot to go through and you go through dips and you go through highs. Uh, and I'm finding with the lockdown, I'm really experiencing some of the exact same emotions. So I'm really glad that I have this experience. And that's why I've been trying to um, share with people what I've already learned. Because it took me a, it took me many years of doing this kind of stuff to get to a place that I did have the mental resilience to keep doing the stuff that I do. Um, so one of the one of the most important things I think is um, just looking for the positive in everything. I mean, right now I I can't think about the negative I mean I have to spare a thought for what's going on in the world but you know the anxiety that you can bring yourself if you're looking at everything that's hard right now like you know I find it impossibly hard that I can't go see my mom right now like I find that really hard to think about but um but I still have my phone and she still has her phone and we can talk every single day so it's just looking at the positive uh and the other one that certainly endurance challenges has taught me that's really helping here is to just break things down so one of my first really big endurance challenges when I ran across Kyrgyzstan, I remember at the start of it, I thought I should plan out every single day and every single week. And I remember writing down on a piece of paper um, how far I was going to go and my milestones were. And then I found myself writing down dates that were into the next month. And I got really overwhelmed. And I genuinely sat down and had a little cry because I just realized how long I was going to be doing it. And I was so scared of that. Uh, and that was a really big lesson for me was to never do that again and just break things down into achievable chunks. Um, so like the way I'm treating lockdown is I'm only focusing on what I'm doing this week. And then I'm making a plan for that week. Like I'm saying, you know, on Friday, I'm going to do this bike ride. On Saturday, I'm going to call this person and do this thing. Like I'm 
feeling in those days, but I'm just going week on week. Because if we think about how long we might have to do this, I think that could overwhelm absolutely anyone. So just break things down into manageable segments and chunks, I think is is a really important thing for us all to do right now. Yeah, and I think like you were saying, living day by day and not anticipating too much of what's yet to come, just kind of thinking, okay, today's manageable and then dealing with that at the time instead of kind of looking too much into the future. You mentioned there a parallel between kind of your challenges and now feeling quite anxious about the fact that you can't see your mum every day. So do you have any further advice for people who are finding lockdown just quite scary and kind of thinking, oh, when will this end? Do you have any further advice on that? So I think first of all, is forgive yourself for that. Um, it's totally fine. Like we're all scared. I'm absolutely scared. I might not show it as much, but um, it's completely normal to find this hard. So just forgive yourself instantly and say, look, this is hard. Let's accept that. Um, but what can I do about it? One of my adventure mantras has always been fix your problems because I get to these places where I'm completely alone. If something goes really wrong, I have to find a way to fix it or else it gets worse, especially in an endurance um, event or sport. Any small problem, any niggle pain, anything that's worrying around in your brain, whatever it is, any problem only gets worse if you don't treat it. So I've always had this thing, which is fix your problems. So I know that sounds kind of tough love and it kind of is, but um, you know, if you're finding it overwhelmingly hard, and say, all right, well, this is a problem that I have. How am I going to fix it? What are some things that I can do? So that might be different for everyone. Um, I think for me, number one would always just be self-care, like check in with yourself. Are you taking really good care of yourself? Are you looking after your health? Are you remembering to stay in touch with people? You know, we can't go physically see people, but we can phone everyone. You know, how many people do you know that are using Zoom all of a sudden? It just seems like endless Zoom conference calls all day long. You know, we can still keep, a lot of connection going. So just look for ways that you can solve the specific problems. If you're missing someone, stay in touch with them. You know, if you're not feeling well, what can you do better? Like what's going wrong in your routine? What are you missing? What are ways that you can fix all the things that are really hard right now? And in particular, one of the tips that you'd mentioned was mindfulness and kind of trying to stay present and I think you kind of touched on that already by talking about living each day just day by day so what is the best way to kind of integrate mindfulness into your daily routine you have to do it in a way that works for you I don't think you can really force it that or I certainly can't force it that well um but I guess I've always found that in endurance sport especially if I'm just riding my bike um I can slip into that place or if I even intentionally just say to myself like like just this moment and nothing else and when those other thoughts enter your mind those like fears about what's up ahead or how long it's going to take you to get there whatever it is um just say that's fine but that's not what I'm thinking about right now um and just stay in that moment what's good around you right now what can you focus on right now that makes you smile that brings you some joy Another thing that you've mentioned in the past is the importance of getting a good night's sleep so What's the best way, do you think, to make sure that you're still taking care of yourself and making sure that you get a good night's sleep? Uh, I'm a really big believer in a good night's sleep and how crucial that is to your health. Um, I do these ultra races that take, you know, maybe two weeks to complete. And those tend to be sleep deprivation competitions because the clock never stops. So we just ride as hard as we can and sleep as little as possible. Um, so 
I had to learn through that sport how to maximize the hours that I did get to sleep. Um, and the most important thing that I found was to stick to a routine and always say, this is bedtime and that's a non-negotiable time. And this is my wake up time. And that's a non-negotiable time. And most of us in our normal lives, if we return to our normal lives, we do kind of have a sense of that, like the hours that you need to sleep and the hour that you need to wake up in order to get to work on time. Um, so I think if you're not, I think when you're isolated, especially, and there's kind of a loss of routine, um, you know, I've, almost every phone call I've had, people are making jokes about like, oh, I don't even know what day of the week it is. Um, it's really easy to slip into that. So I think it's, it's quite helpful to just keep a sense of routine and say, this is my bedtime. This is my wake up time. I know that it's Thursday. I'm going to stick to knowing that and, um, you know, build the routine around that. Uh, and that just, that just gives you a bit of structure and also really does help you get a good night's sleep if you're, you're not messing with your circadian rhythms and, um, yeah, letting your body stick on the clock. It really helps. And on top of having good night's sleep, you also really believe in eating properly. So, what tips do you have for making sure that you're eating a healthy and balanced diet? You know, it's funny with nutrition because every time I open Facebook recently, it seems like all my friends have suddenly become Michelin star chefs. Like everyone's, not everyone, but the ones that are certainly posting on social media seem to be making the most of the extra time to cook uh, really fun stuff. And I think that's a really good use of your time right now is to say like, I'm going to, you know, make meals really special, especially because we can't go out to restaurants and we probably won't be able to for a little while. Uh, it is really nice to say like, well, this is something that I really like and this is something that's healthy and I'm going to put some effort into creating my food tonight, especially for people that live in cities. That might be, um, something that they don't do very often. So I think, um, making stuff at home, uh, is a really great way to, it almost comes naturally that the food ends up being really healthy if you're actually making it yourself from scratch. Uh, and just, you know, being mindful and aware of what you're putting in your body and, um, keeping it healthy, getting enough vegetables and stuff like that. You know, we're lucky that we still do have, um, enough food on the supply chain. If you go to the grocery stores, I know sometimes it's been really upsetting to see empty shelves, but we actually still do have quite a lot in there. We're doing okay. So, um, so yeah, make the most of that, do some cooking, find some nice ingredients. Yeah, for sure. I think it is a really good time to learn how to cook and make sure you're getting nutritious meals uh, because we've got more time at the moment. Well, thank you very much, Jenny. I think you've given us some great tips there and I hope that um, our listeners find those very useful. So thank you very much. Oh, thanks for having me. That was Jelly Tough speaking to uh, Morvin, sharing some tips on how to cope on your own in the lockdown. Some really helpful advice uh, there. Do you have any tips of your own, Morvin? I think one of the tips that really resonated with me from that interview that I did with Jenny was the living day by day and not trying to anticipate too much, oh, how much longer will the lockdown last? How much longer will we be doing social distancing? So I think that's something that I'll take on board and something that I'll try to do more what about yourself, Dan? Do you have any tips? The only tips I've got is that I, I particularly enjoy walking. I think walking is good for the soul. You know, taking an hour out of your day, even if you're not working, um, just taking an hour out to by yourself, out out, out in the fresh air, um, hopefully enjoying some of the sunshine that we're getting, keeping two metres apart, thank you very much, but um, spending just an hour out of your day, just um, getting out and about really. 
And I've got to ask, are you a headphone person or, or not? Do you just walk no headphones or have you always got music or podcasting? I've got I've always got podcasting on. I've got so many podcasts that I need to get through. And occasionally when I'm feeling pretentious, I put radio free on, listen to classical music. Wow. How about yourself? <laughs> I sometimes I'm a music person, but I think sometimes when you've been doing a day of editing podcasts or working on podcasts like this one, sometimes you just want that silence. And just the other night I went out for a run, just no headphones. And it is that bit harder because you're just kind of yourself and running along. But I think you can kind of enjoy your surroundings a bit more and kind of listen to the birds and the trees and like listen to like the noise around you. Uh, whereas sometimes when you've got your headphones in, you can be in another world, not really appreciating the moment as much. Of course, if I were to offer a top tip is obviously get out and about, but whilst you're getting out and about, certainly listen to podcasts from Laudable. There's some really good stuff out there. <laughs> Hashtag shameless plug. Well, we hope that's been a useful episode of Alone Together. I've certainly picked up a few ideas. And if you want more tips on how to look after yourself in the lockdown, or you want to hear more positive community stories, don't forget to check out our previous episodes. That's all we've got time for today. So thank you to our guests and thank you for listening to our podcast. So stay safe, stay positive, stay informed and stay tuned. This has been a laudable production from the newsrooms of Birmingham Live, the Edinburgh Evening News and the Manchester Evening News. You can download Alone Together wherever you listen to your podcasts. But for exclusive, interactive, immersive content, download the Entail app for iOS and Android. And you can keep in touch with me, Matt and Morvan, if you, if you like, by following Laudable on Twitter, where we are at LaudablePods, or by searching for Laudable underscore podcasts on Instagram. See you next time. <laughs>